welcome to In Abstraction, the A Hope for Home podcast. Uh, it's Matt. I am here with chunk of. I, I I can't do math and very simple math such as divide six. So what whatever uh, uh, whatever percentage four of six is. Uh, that's who Dan. We, yeah, that's, Dan. That's, Dan's the math guy. Dan. Sixty-seven percent math. <laughs> 66.6667%. I'm, I'm here with Dan, Nathan, and Tanner. What's up, guys? Hey. Dan and Nathan making their uh, uh, pod debut. How, how, are, how are you guys? Good. Doing great. So we're here to talk about The Everlasting Man, which, Dan, this was your idea. I, I, I do have to admit, so. Yeah, it was, uh, I just bought a pair of uh, new headphones a couple weeks ago, and had to check them out, had to listen to some of the old uh, standbys to check out the audio quality and all that, and happened to listen to some Everlasting Man tunes. because Old standbys, you know, how often times. are you listening to the Everlasting Man, Dan? <laughs> uh, about every week or so, so no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how many times I've listened to our tracks just from all the recording time. That's a good point, yeah. And so I have a good feel on how they sound and Super bass heavy mixes and all that, so had to check out the bass and the headphones, and um, it was like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to just listen to it with the guys and almost just kind of like hear what everyone has to say after like 10 years and have random thoughts and memories about it, so. It has, it's been, I mean, it's been longer than that now, because technically we did, and we'll get into this when we talk about it, but you know, we did this on our own a year earlier so it's been tw- 12 now and i mean we started writing these songs in like 2007 i think gosh which is very wild right um yeah, what was the we... oh. what was the first song we wrote on this record do you remember Does anybody remember yeah i thought it was a grief observed right i think it was yeah really? yeah so we finish um wow. our first record which we self-release um here at the end 2007 um which is very embarrassing to listen to. Um, <laughs> and the last song we wrote on that was The Human Project Lives. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was either A Grief Observed or Babylon, which the working title was Castles. Um, and I feel like there's kind of a through line there, but but I'm not sure. Does, it, is, does that sound right? Maybe. I honestly don't. I'm trying to remember. I've got a terrible memory, so. <laughs> Me too. I don't remember. I remember. I remember writing, like the process of writing, like writing at Ian's parents' house. In where were they? Like, like almost middle of Washington. Washington. Is was yeah. it Battleground? Yeah, <laughs> I think Battleground. Yeah, like Brush Prairie, which is like Brush Prairie, about an hour it. away from my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're still in Troutdale at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I just remember the insane drives, like daily, to go write, and then being in the his parents' garage writing. But I don't remember like the process so much as as far as like what we wrote first and all that. Yeah. All I remember, uh, all I remember is we wrote like the whole album, like one song or one or two songs at a time it was yeah. you know, like a year like it wasn't like we're gonna sit down and write an album it was like oh we wrote a new song and this is all when we were like a local <laughs> band and playing shows here and there and then 
six months later, oh, we got two more songs. And then we recorded them separately too. Because I remember having to try and make all these different recordings from different times, like sound somewhat <laughs> the same. Um, but yeah, and I, you might be right. It might be a grief observed. I feel like that's the thing because I remember, I remember playing that live before we played any of the others. And I remember like the thing was that Tanner brought out the bow and that was like, Oh yeah. The, super cool. Yeah. The super cool. <laughs> like My little parlor that. trick. Yeah. We don't see any hardcore shit. bands using this bad boy. We use that on that song. It, it, at least live in the like buildup kind of towards the, before the like breakdown at the end part. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, it was, come on, it's 2008, you it know, was cool. like it was cool. I like Well, yeah, and, to do a Sigaros thing on a hardcore song or whatever, yeah. that was, that was different yeah. for sure. You know, it was interesting. No, but Dan, you're, you're absolutely right. The, uh, the really unique way we wrote this is yeah, a song at a time to put up on MySpace, right? Um, Gosh. And yeah, I don't envy you for having to mix everything to make it sound okay. And then of course the extra two songs that we add even later for the face down release. All right. We um, it. But yeah, I, that's a thing that I find really interesting when I, I just went back and re-listened to this and thinking through like, there are a couple songs on here I still really like and I'm proud of. Um, and I remember distinctly like the moments when like, okay, now we're going to write something like this. Okay. Now we're going to sort of write something like this. And I think it, I, I think we, we made it work. Okay. Um, but in the same way that when I listen to Realis, I'm like, here's a thing that's cohesive together right. that everything's talking to each other. And this is like, Oh, I, there's like these four songs that are doing something interesting. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like uh, I can go back and listen to it and be really proud of it, but usually I'm proud of it because of like, oh, that was a really interesting guitar part, or that was a really catchy lick, or like, oh, that's like that sounded like wow, we were we got some cool ideas way back in the day. We weren't just you know terrible or whatnot, or like oh, the production was like pretty good considering it was all done at my dad's house in the dining room slash garage you know and yeah but it's not like a oh i'm really stoked on like the music like i wouldn't listen to it today if i had if it wasn't like if it didn't have a place in my mind and all the nostalgic factors and stuff i don't listen to it i'm not like ashamed but I, i'm like oh that's interesting i wouldn't do that now but i can still listen to it and be like oh hey like we had some cool stuff uh you know we had some you know we we're chaotic and all over the place yeah. but yeah yeah, I think that's like that's it. Like there's definitely like a lot of there's actually like a lot of really cool ideas. Like we we had ideas out the wazoo, like for sure. Right. But I think also we were so like democratic. Well, I guess maybe not democratic. We were very like the our whole writing process was like no idea is bad. Everybody wanted to like contribute and and write stuff and Nobody wanted to be like, this idea is bad or whatever. Everybody could see potential in every single part. And I think we didn't, at that time, we weren't so good at being like, okay, there's a lot of parts going on. Let's shed most of that so that the one 
clear part can be like the musical passage of this mm-hmm. that really like <laughs> drives this part or whatever. It was just like a lot of people doing a lot of cool ideas that like fit together, but it was a lot of different stuff kind of happening. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like it was a little bit of chaos. And I think that adds to kind of like the timing of the of the album and like when it came out and kind of what music was doing at that time. And I think that was a little bit more common. So, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I would think of it I agree with you, and I would think of it as like it's a document of I think when we learned how to be a band, um, mistakes and all. But like, yeah, this is us. Like, let's try this out. Oh, that's weird. Oh, what if we did this? In in a different way than I think their first record um, was us really learning how to do anything, and this was us learning how to be a professional band. Like, we'd start doing stuff, and I I I can't speak for everybody, but like. I would start being surprised by how stuff sounded. I was like, whoa, like we could bake sounds like that. And we're doing this all ourselves. And yeah. And then by the end of it, I think when we get to go do Realis, we're finally like, okay, I think we have, I have a better idea of what I want to do now. Cause we like just threw shit at the wall this time. And we're like, what, what, what would that be like? You know? Yeah. What do you guys, let me, let me ask, what do you guys remember about the time of recording this because because as dan said this was over the whole year right it basically took a year to make this record and we were working jobs and playing random shows i remember um how ridiculous it was that my dad was cool with me having a recording (laughs) studio in the dining room of the house i mean it was just me and him and the place so a bachelor pad but we had the mixer where a dining room table would be and the cables were strewn across the floor to the kitty door in the garage door to the garage. <laughs> and I had taken over half the garage and put up like those special acoustic panels that I, you know, I made. And I think we drove up, did someone drive up with me to Seattle to pick those up? I bought those from like some company, some industrial company in yeah, Seattle or something. To, Cause I got a deal on them, like the mineral rock wool fiber stuff and then hung them up from the ceiling and then everywhere and tried to, you know, there was like a, one solitary light bulb in that whole garage, I'm pretty sure. I remember there's like this, a picture we had on our MySpace for forever. It was just Nathan, like just chilling, standing in the garage and there's like the solitary light bulb and you can see like the big mineral rock wool absorber panel thing I made. And I don't know, that's just, that's my main memory is just my dad's house and how, how kind of ridiculous that recording setup was, but we made it work. Yeah, and I don't think people realize how like, this was how like how many years ago was this now like 15 no thir- 13 12 13 12 well how ridiculous like recording was hard back then yeah yeah <laughs> getting yeah. getting good sounds and just like recording was difficult now recording and getting good sounds out of like cheap equipment is not difficult hello, hello. like it's you got an iphone or you got a lot of just... stuff yeah <laughs> Our iPhone microphones sound much better than a lot of the recordings that came out at the time. Like, like it was not a small feat to be able to do this at your dad's place. And the amount of equipment that was involved to produce the record that to sound this good was immense. It's all Dan. I got immense, Dan. but very bare bones for any like normal 
like professional studio. Yeah, but, but yeah, a lot, still, lot more stuff. It was than, a DIY project. We did it yep. ourselves. But. Yep. Thanks to Dan and Gear Sluts. You would always be on Gear Sluts and be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I, that's like, still around." Like you talked about the the um, the 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 uh, soundproof or whatever, you know. But I just also remember other moments of like, "Yeah, I'm on Gear Sluts and I found this crazy microphone, uh, but I need to drive to Spokane tonight. Let's go, <laughs> dude." I remember being oh, yeah. on tour and Dan needing to make a stop in like wherever we were in the middle of the country. In like you know we were in oh like Idaho or something like that, and Dan like bought some like random piece of gear on gear sluts that we need to pick up. <laughs> I feel like we need to clarify what what this is for the audience. Um, so actually, have to. yeah, funny, just, they have imaginations, you know. <laughs> I always go back to the story with when Todd was in the band, and he saw me on. Um, the, the gear sluts message boards, which is a professional and home hobby DIY recording message board for people who want to learn how to, you know, make recordings and do all this stuff. And there's some like pretty legit people that were on there, at least back in the day. But um, he was sure that I was on greatsluts.com and not gearsluts.com. So he was like, Dan, what are you doing? So that was, no, that was pretty good. But yeah, I bought lots of gear on that site and the classifieds and. I think I do remember picking up some random, I don't remember what it was, but something in the middle of nowhere. But good times. Yeah, it was a wild time. I just, my main memory, yeah, is just the moments of recording individual songs. Like, and we try them out live and we did the, I, I learned the secret from Five Iron Frenzy that you know you write the song and then when you play it like for the first 20 times you just like do food um and like that's how i wrote all the melodies to this and then wrote the lyrics in the studio like before i actually sang them um but i feel like weirdly it was a unique experience to be able to write the music this way because we did even though tanner was right that like it's messy and we just threw in part after part after part and zillions of parts. We also tested all of these songs live um, and, and we're able to sort of work some, work some kinds of kinks out, right? Um, rather than the complete opposite experience in Realis, which maybe we'll talk about if we do that. Um, so yeah, um, maybe we just dive in and uh, listen to uh, the record and just, you know, hear, hear our thoughts. Let's do it. I don't, I remember we, we would, in this sort of cycle, we would always open shows with this. Um, I don't remember what the process was for writing it, though. It's, I think it's probably just some one random riff someone started playing, right? And then we just... <laughs> we used to do that, I feel like. We, we had a couple different, like, like, show intros like this that we would do. Well, yeah, I don't know how many songs we wrote by just, like, we... we got to practice and we set up all our gear and then as each person like started setting up their gear they would like start to play something and then somebody would start to jam on it and then it would just grow and grow and grow until it was like kind of a thing hmm. um i don't know how many songs we wrote that way and we're like well we'll never remember how to play that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that'll that. never happen again and i think this is one of the ones that we were able to kind of keep or at least recreate to some degree 
Speaking of which, Eric is here. Eric's joined us. Hey. I don't mind this. This is pretty cool. Like, I feel like this kind of encompasses this album musically. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with like the the roads or the, the piano or whatnot, and then we build up, and then we come in with the shreddy guitars on top, which, you know, happens a fair amount in the album. But it's cool. I don't know. We always, I always liked stuff like this. This is, I think, the stuff that migrated with more organization later, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, understanding how to create atmosphere in, which we were very, like, we were big on atmosphere and creating something that felt very spacious and all that sort of stuff. And I think we got better at that as we went on. But yeah. that was like an attempt at that. Oh, here we go. The single. The single. The single we never played. Two two immediate things I'll say about this is one, the sort of famous story that I've told everyone is just how much this was the single and we shoot the music video. And I don't know how it happened, but we all collectively decided we're never going to play this song live ever again. To the point you and Nathan. This was a fun little part. To the point that I remember being on tour on Realis. And someone was like, play Iniquity! And I remember being like, oh, we should probably actually be playing our hit songs. <laughs> two kids that traveled from yeah. two states away to hear us play yeah. the one song that they listened to. It on I think it was like, it was because Under Oath was so big at the time. Like, That's they're only facing safety and Define the Great Line. Or I don't know which what was out at, at this point. But I think this was the song that sounded the most like they're only chasing safety or define the great line type under oath that we when people started to make those comparisons which was something that we were actively trying to run from yeah we were like no that's bullshit i never want to play this song again i don't want to give you the satisfaction of thinking that we sound like under oath you're right that's exactly what it was <laughs> which i mean realistically we listen to a lot of the same bands and a lot of the same influences and yeah it was like probably sounded a lot like under oath at the time like in certain ways i do remember this the beginning of this song being really awkward to play live though like and we have other parts in 5-4 but there's something about this one that i just remember it always being very like my brain was always focused on this but i kind of like this part of the song they definitely parts I, this part pretty much every song there are parts that i, that yeah. I like I feel like this this whole section of the song is almost like this could have been a different song. Yeah, yeah. Like, which could have been maybe a cooler song. Yeah. <laughs> but it ends up being a part of this song. Like, it, I don't know. The video is weird too. Let's just be honest. Let's put that on the record. <laughs> Very weird video. It bums me out that it's the only video we ever did, I know. and it's this song, and it's like the first uh, thing that comes up if you Google our band. We'll just have to. I'll we'll do one for the new. I don't know how. We'll, we'll do it. 
I think this chorusy part is really good. Though I like this part. Yeah. Yeah, the nice chorus and the the cool catchy lead line. Yeah, Tanner, this is a classic Tanner lead line. Classic Tanner. Tasty. I do remember recording this and thinking like we did it like it, it, it had that feeling of like and then we finished recording it and we drove up to play a show at Centralia like minutes afterwards and we premiered it and I just remember yeah at that time it was like right as we were finishing and I felt like shit like we we're gonna we might actually do this this actually is going very well and then to like gonna be big and then two years later just like never again <laughs> I also will say, this is still one of my favorite songs we've ever done. I still really like this song. Well, I like this song. I really like that bass cover, though. Really, the bass yeah, cover gotta for find this that song. <laughs> if if you're listening, um, bass cover YouTube guy, uh, hit us up. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on the pod. This is one of uh, you know the, the tougher sounding Nathan vocal parts. I feel like with everything mm-hmm. going on, I always felt felt pretty uh, cool playing this live. Strange too. I have fond memories of this song, like playing it and yeah. just think back, like, yeah, this is this is cool, but it has these like chuggy breakdowny parts yeah. <laughs> that I think we all can agree are not our favorite thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This part I always like. This is my it's kind of a. This is honestly like in my top three things I've ever written. I've ever wrote this riff right. Like I still go back to that. I'm like ah. Oh. And then Tanner. This is one of those parts on the on when we re-release this. I think I tweaked the balance of this, but I don't. I don't even know to this day like what. There's a catchy vocal, and there's this sweet shredding lead line. It was one of the difficult things in producing the album. Probably shouldn't have been doing the lead line <laughs> all over a singer. <laughs> it was the genre that. Ah, it was such a cool line, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I think this song does kind of hold up for, for this for this thing. In, in, yeah, in the very least, it was definitely more enjoyable to play than Iniquity. Because, like, yeah, playing Iniquity just wasn't fun. And this was a song I felt like you could really kind of, like, or just yeah. sit in, you know? What would it look like if we made, if we had made this song the single all those years ago? One yeah, thing this, that blew my mind listening part? back is. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Just Tanner shreds so much. Right? <laughs> There's so much shredding on our old stuff. It's it totally out. is, and I totally regret all of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's catchy. It's kind of folky part. That's the thing, it's like we have these cool ideas and every all these ideas are cool on their own. I feel like yeah. they're all kind of thrown in there though. But I don't know. We jam them in, yeah. On the note of shredding, I feel like I thought I was like a good guitar player. So that was like fun to like play those things. And then we started going on tour more after this album. 
and then playing with like a lot of like metalcore bands from like Face Down Fest <laughs> and bands that like, oh, these guys fucking shred. And then just like, I think that broke my spirit for trying to play fast ever again. <laughs> and then I'll buy another delay pedal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we have, I have to say, here we have Eric's, I think, first really great pop-out part. I always liked playing this song at the very end because it was a moment when the rest of us would finally stop being loud and, and you could hear it. AC Rhodes. Eric, did you get your roads while we were recording this or was this all done on reason do you remember pretty sure i got it before. i think we had it yeah i got it i got it before, before okay. i do remember going to we got so someone on the facebook asked about gear so maybe throughout we could talk about the gear we were using um and we the, the big difference between other than obviously the recording gear um, between here the end and everlasting man was we'd started to actually invest in real gear, not like really expensive gear. We were still part, you know, broke part-time workers or whatever. But Eric, Eric found a Rhodes on Craigslist in, where was it? It was somewhere off like Burnside or something like that. Some music. No, no. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of, I'm sorry. I totally fucked up this story. We took it to get repaired before we recorded this. Oh yeah, yeah. I took it to the Rhodesman or, or some weird name like that. Yeah. Out in Tri Cities. Rhodes Master. Tri Cities, that's where it was. And got pulled over, uh, driving in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. So, uh, this is one of those songs we added, right? Yes, this is an Later. added song. Um this is another one I actually really like. Um some pretty uh, underoathy parts in this one. It's pretty underoathy, <laughs> but it's also, I don't know, it's its noisier than anything A, we had done up to this point, and B, anything we've done afterwards, I think. Um, I There's a version of it where I kind of wonder if had Ian stayed in the band, there would have been more stuff like this. I mean, we I guess it probably wouldn't have worked. We would have done something else. But I don't know what you guys think of this song, because we only played it live a couple times. I... When I think of this song, I think about how we knew we were going to be on strike first. Yeah. And this we part were like, was cool. I like yeah, this part. Cool part. I think it was one of those things where we felt like we needed to write something ballsy. Yeah. Because we were going to be on this label with all these other heavy bands. And I mean, it's got cool parts, but I still feel like. It was one of those things where it's like, well, we need to make sure that this can hang. Yeah, but at the same time, we released like a group observed on, on this version, right? I feel like mm -hmm. that was anti-tough. <laughs> Maybe we had to even the, uh, Yeah. Restoration was the like almost like eight minutes or something or seven minutes, just a jam song. Yeah. That was the other one we had, the kind of opposite of that. Was that, a, was that an ad for this this version? Okay, yeah. that's right. Okay, yeah. That's good. I, I always had a love hate thing with kind of like the punk beat. It was a lot I of fun it. to play, but I just I don't know if it was ever us. Yeah, yeah. 
This is also um, for the uh, uh, guitar heads out there. The only Hope for Home song ever in drop C. The rest of the record is just uh, um, tuned down a half step and then drop D. Um, I don't know why we did specifically drop C for this, but we did, and then we went to. I think we kept going half step lower and a half step lower and a half step lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must As we get went heavier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Between every album, I'd have to like go get my bass set up, so it would just be a bunch of floppy noodles. You know, I'd have to go to bigger and bigger gauge strings. You were always so mad whenever we wanted to drop. Like my hands would start to cram, man. Those heavy gauge strings. Are and tough. I also remember um, the last song on. Um, oh, this song though. I I I always really like this song. Um, I this is a tenor song, the right? Music video thing, the like the saddest video. song ever. Saddest song. Saddest song ever. Is it, is it a tenor? I thought it was video. a mat. Is it tenor? I think the record should, no, should show who it is. I think this is Tanner. I've been, I think it's, I've yeah, been living my whole life with people trying about? to give me credit for this song. I think we need to set the record straight right now. <laughs> was it Tanner or was it Matt? But Tanner, this was a reason file you did. R- wrote most of the main part of the song. You did this reason file and then I wrote the lyrics. You did. I think you did a lot of the drum like stuff. I don't know. I can't I think... Uh, I remember doing some of it at the very least, but I think you did some stuff. I think you're the catalyst. At the very least. Oh no. I know. I I can still jam this song, man. I I think this is good. Catchy. It's fun. Plus, it has those YouTube, uh, like, what are those? Those music videos from that video game, which are amazing. Yeah, it's like a RuneScape. It's RuneScape, right? It's like a RuneScape, RuneScape music video. Fan Everyone video. needs to listen to this. Yeah, if you're, if you're out there listening out. right now, go go and Google or YouTube it. You'll find some, some great videos. I want to know how long those took to make. Those, whoever, those two people that made those. Thank you. <laughs> we also did a full band version of this live a couple times, and I always really enjoyed playing it. It was I think very it sounded different. better full band. I think it like. I think it did too, yeah. Someone asked, um, would you ever consider doing another electronic based song like the Exile? Um I guess yeah. That might be our, mm-hmm. our new uh some, some new tunes on the new record? I don't know. I think, you know, we, we probably tried to get away from that with Realis and mm-hmm. wanted to make it really organic and heavy and brooding, right? Or, But I always enjoyed the songs that we did that were like that. Oh, man. I'm- this song, I, I don't, I'm not stoked on like the beginning or the end, but parts in the middle I actually really like still. Exactly the same, Dan. I, I feel like we were just—we have to make this the most brutal thing ever. Let's get everyone to scream on this part. I think for she me, thought this one was a fun one to play live. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a tough one to play live because it was so slow and there wasn't so much going on that it felt like you were just like, kind of ringing out and doing this. nothing. <laughs> you know, like 
and it was supposed to be so big and intense and yeah. it, it also felt like to me playing it as one like maybe from the crowd it sounds very different than just like standing in front of my one guitar amp listening to just my guitar do uh <laughs> but enough, uh, yeah. It, it felt very weak from my position and kind of lame. I like this yeah, part. From this, here on, I think I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I guess maybe from here, here on is where it's fun like. I wasn't doing anything in the beginning anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, there's some cool roadsy stuff going on here. Yeah. I, 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 there's some lyric stuff on this song that I really like that I was surprised that I thought like came out really well. But um, yeah, that riff, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we were gonna be a band that was like the, here's the screaming vocal, here's the singing vocal back and forth. If we were gonna be that band, this is one of the songs that kind of did it more organically or like mm -hmm. kind of flow pretty well or something. But I like the chorus as being kind of this chill driving. Yeah, this part's okay. And this changed a lot, um, because this is one we played live a lot. As I said earlier, the working title was Castles, and my original chorus was like a big, loud, like kind of thing. And I feel like it wasn't until we started really recording it that, yeah, it, we tried to make it this more, yeah, I, I, like, I like where it came. I also, I also kind of like this part. I like this because of Nathan's vocal and Tanner's awesome line. I like this because I like life in your way. Tanner. Yeah. That's that's what that's actually a good question. Is um why did we write this song? Eric, you, you point out life in your way. You say why did we write like, it? Yeah, like what were we listening to? That's a good point. Time? I feel like we listened to like six different things in this song when we to get here. Because yeah. the, the chorus is so, like, I don't know, like, uh, kind of a cool groove, beginning heavy, yeah. and this is very life in your way. And then the world's greatest transition right here, just seamless. We're all <laughs> I hate that part so much. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do remember when we were finishing up here at the end, um, I got really into Misery Signals. Um, and uh, Human yeah. Project Lives is very Misery Signals-y. And I think this might have been kind of on that train. Um, like when I, and I never was like a metal shredder guy, but like when I figured out that dissonant chord where you'd like, you do like- Okay, sorry to interrupt you, but I think this part's really cool actually, this, this thing here. Tanner's shredding again. Tanner's shredding again. And then there's this part. Do you, do you guys, honest question, like parts like this, like, in the, I mean, it's in the beginning, but, but like, do you guys think that we were like, we should probably do something like this in this song, you know, like, same, same thing I feel like when we get to Grief Observed at the end, it's like, should we do like a thing where it's like a breakdown -y thing? in this part, or do you think that was just where we were? I think, like, we had so much pressure, like, to be a breakdown-y band. Like, every yeah. freaking band 
at the time was a breakdown band. It's just like the we, scene. we would play shows over and over and over again where a band would just play breakdowns from like for 30 minutes. Listen close and you can like, hear the only like the thing, big squeal so. on a Hope for Homes album too. <laughs> <laughs> No, but Tanner's right. Tanner's exactly yeah, you right. You are. Oh. And that's, yeah. Kind of how it's... So I think it was like us kind of like testing, not like a breakdown, but like playing around with like being inspired by some of the stuff that was going on at the time and trying to incorporate certain things in ways that felt kind of honest to us. That like maybe they translated, maybe they didn't. It was not a breakdown. It was kind of a breakdown, but not really... So that's why we were always a disappointment for like those live <laughs> shows that people would all be expecting those left. breakdowns and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, this is kind of a breakdown, but nah, it's not really a breakdown. It, it might like, be a breakdown if they weren't playing Telecasters. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Since they're playing Telecasters, we're going to leave. It's a cool transition part, though. Kind of a... And the next song, this used to be, uh, we did this as a cover, the intro, right? We, we did that uh, uh, cover Christmas song. Yeah. Hummel Come Emmanuel, which was cool. And we liked that intro part so much, we wrote this whole next song out of it. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. Um, I wonder if we have a recorded, if, if there's a recorded version of that. Oh, I want to hear we, that. We also did, um, also did after... Um, after this because we turned this into an actual song on the record we then recorded a real ambient version of Okomoko Manual that we released on our pure volume page I think this is I think to me this is my favorite song on this album because it's the only one that has true dynamics to me yeah this one when we when we released it this was my favorite song for sure I agree. Dynamics I it, and just it, unique stuff. I, you know, maybe I don't know if it'd be true to us, but it was just kind of like fun, unique. I think it kind of sums up the whole. Uh, like it has a the tone like feel that. of the whole album to me. This kind of has a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. There are probably two moments in the listening back while we were recording where I felt like, oh shit, like we actually did something. And I actually honestly don't like this song very much anymore. And I think it's just because it was really hard to sing and I don't know why I did it. Um, but it was listening, it was uh, Affliction, the part I said before. And then it was listening back to this after Dan, you like, you had done a rough mix. And I was in the car just like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, it's cool, compressed drums, tenor, tasty lead, matte vocals. Oh yeah, I just love this guitar part. Does it bug anybody else that the delay trails are way faster than the tempo of the song and then the fill comes in? (laughs) Why did you you say Do you know why? Do you know why? I know why. Because Tanner was trying to record that line in Dan's in Dan's uh, aforementioned studio. And Dan, there is a version of this. It's a Christmas song because you went back to the demo recording, which was not done to a click, and you put it over this. Just copy and paste. Yeah. How it's done. Oh, man. The, uh, 
Would you say that the lyrics are very thrice inspired? What do you say? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just literally I mean, kind of ripped off. <laughs> Wait, we didn't we didn't talk about Switchfoot earlier. What the heck? <laughs> How did we breathe by half Mr. the Chance. album without bringing up Switchfoot? <laughs> that was an accident. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think this is a good example, Tanner, of a breakdown where I feel like breakdown that we were more more true to ourselves, more like this is. Yeah. It was kind of like a statement to do it. Like this is a breakdown for all intents and purposes, but it's you're not gonna like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're into breakdowns, you're not gonna dig it. It's actually quieter than the parts before and after. <laughs> I feel like probably more often than not on this album i probably put a filter or something on your voice mm -hmm. i remember you just or did like, this like very hot very hot yeah yeah this one gets super think... hot in the end here but i thought you i remember oh, yeah. you i remember being in the studio and you being like maybe it's because you had you, you say you hate singing this but yeah like right here you were like like let's add something add, i just uh and you were getting like really frustrated or something like that <laughs> And so we ended up with this, which I, I thought it was. I remember Dan awesome. being very frustrated that Matt was gonna like wear out all his preamps for singing, like <laughs> because the part was so hot, like that things were just like wearing out Dan's preamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think on this album especially, like it's almost even though it doesn't sound as good as our next albums, obviously. Like it's almost more produced, just because I feel like it was. I mean, a we did over like a year and a half or whatever, and it was constant tinkering. Oh, let's make this part interesting. Oh, let's put a filter here. Oh, let's like, you know, add all these extra lines. And it was almost like just doing everything we could do, every creative thought we had. Oh, let's ham this weird effect from the left to the right, and you know, and then. Realis is kind of the opposite. It's just what it is. Dark. No, you're right. There's definitely more like tricks on this album. Yeah. Matt, that in part Matt, where I think that song has. Sorry, I was gonna ask that part where your you're best vocals. Yeah, me too. Oh, thanks, Tanner. I was just gonna say that last part where you're kind of yelly. Is that the part that you part one of the parts you hate? Yeah. Because I like it. it. I, I think it's funny. It's like the only part I think in any of our albums where you kind of like push it like too too like too far in a good way. I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, I don't know. I just, I have weird feelings about it. And I don't know if it's just self-conscious or not, but I do remember enjoying playing it live-ish, but like that part was always kind of fun live. And this should have been, and it, it got hard when we started tuning to drop B, but like that was a song we totally I remember I got to playing, have fun with the delay know? pedals live here too. I felt like a guitar player. Was... This next one is another one that it has parts I really like. But it's another one that's just like, what, what are all these parts doing together in a song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This used to be the song we would end every show we would end every show. Until, 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 until we came out with Rick Dallas or whatnot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and if you thought that was long, folks, wait until our new EP comes out. <laughs> This was, I think this is one of the last things we recorded. 
because I distinctly remember, um, obviously before the face down um, uh, reissue, but I distinctly remember doing these guitar parts right here, and they were like, for me, I'm not that. If there's a technical part, it's Tanner, um, and like the the riff coming up is like slightly more technical, and I remember just like fucking it up all the time. And Dan, you were just like again, 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 and I remember thinking like. It's done. The record's done. Just release it. <laughs> Did that with everyone, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> probably too much. This part was always fun to play live. I like this part. This was very influenced by uh, Oh God, the Aftermath. Um, uh, yeah. When I like, really started to be like, getting the botch and like noisy stuff yeah botch for is that a tanner scream yeah <laughs> yeah this, was like that your first on, on each record <laughs> oh how about that production This is like so like us to take like a very ugly part and make it the same thing, but a pretty version of that. <laughs> like this is this part carries the same rhythm rhythm of the last section, which was like the ugliest part of the song, and now we're like pretty again. <laughs> like that's so us. It's a good idea. Yeah. And then die out, and then do a slow build for three minutes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, I loved it. It was great. I, I do kind of like this part, yeah. I, I miss I miss playing this live. Eric, this this key stuff here. Oof. This is where people would start to clap thinking the song was over. <laughs> <laughs> How good this band's over with. <laughs> Back to breakdowns, please. Tanner, um, what guitars did you use recording this? Do you remember? Was it just less Paul? It was less Paul? It was mainly the Les Paul uh, and the, um, I don't know if I had the Telecaster. You didn't have your tele, that Tele back then. Maybe it was just mostly the Les Paul then. Yeah. There's probably, I think this was oh, the yeah, point when I was good one. Guitar Center and like every three months I would buy a new guitar and then hate it and then sell it. So there's probably like five different <laughs> guitars. <laughs> That I played <laughs> this. I know for a fact this was my HH Japanese Jaguar. I like that. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Another awesome Tanner lead line. Very Oh yeah. Oh wait, I really liked your uh, your soft vocals in section two, man. Oh thanks. There's I think a lot of realis on this song, honestly. It kind yeah. of fits there. And I do remember when we started right before we did Realis, we started tuning down for a couple songs to like prepare for Realis. And this was one that we would play in B. And I think it worked really well in B. And this is Tanner's awesome lead line. And then at some point you can start to hear the, the Rhodes yeah. part in there too. Right here. The kind of counter melody. Six members. Yeah. I always loved it 
It was always very hard to mix. <laughs> hey, talk yeah. about talk about mixing this, Dan. I mean, it was it was hard. We had so many parts, right? So many melodies, yeah. guitars, roads, really soft, pretty roads. Getting it to like cut in the mix so you can actually hear it was always really tough. Um, and then kind of choosing how loud to make everything. And everybody wants to hear their parts or whatever. <laughs> right. So everybody's like, can you turn this one up not now? No. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I remember I actually did a like lead line thing in the Iniquity Chorus that uh, I would play live. And I remember hearing the mix and like, Dan, you just cut it out. And he's like, yeah, but I like that part. You're probably like Sorry, Matt. nine things happening in this song. <laughs> I, I think I did. I think I did do a, a, a few things each album. I probably just kind of did. Yeah. But. This is a good uh, Nathan feature here. I mean, I know, I know the lyrics, obviously, but I always enjoyed how you generally you could always. I felt like you'd always understand what you were saying, Nathan, when you even when you're yelling, which was cool and kind of different than a lot of other like, screams and things in other bands. So I always thought that's cool. When I hear this record, I just it's like if here the end was like, oh, I really didn't know how to do what I wanted to do. This was like still trying to figure it out. And like, I can hear myself like, oh, I'm kind of getting there. And like, I just feel when I hear it, I feel what it felt like to, to <laughs> do all of those things. That's kind of it. So it's like double trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, and there are moments where I was like, oh, I was getting it. And I can tell which songs we did mm. later. Really? Yeah, just because I can, hear how it felt dang to do those how was it recording in the garage just in the freezing cold (laughs) almost in the dark (laughs) screaming to a microphone with a a sheet of fiberglass you know you knew dave was home making like some noodles or something like that in the kitchen but it was okay because it's you know oh gosh we're already in dave's kitchen recording it anyway so it doesn't matter That's right. This one. The garage felt better than um, like the closet in Tanner's parents' house where I was afraid <laughs> that like they were home making dinner and I was just below them screaming. <laughs> Nathan, are there are there vocal parts on here that you really that still work for you that you like? Man, I don't know. I think like every song like oh that take was good that line was good and then there's parts that are like dude i should have done that yeah. differently i'm not over i don't know i don't know i think i'm like you a bit where listening back to this stuff is all i feel very self-conscious about it all because it's it's not like i mean the the instrument is my voice or it's me so it's like I'm so attached mm-hmm. to how it sounds and it's just kind of like oh still feel like i had my training wheels on i feel much better vocally about 
stuff we did later. I think I was trying really hard to sound like other people, and I think later after recording more and touring and just kind of like getting more used to things physically, I found my own voice more rather than trying to sound like tougher, lower, whatever than, you know, I think what was what comes naturally to me. This is one of the best key parts, I think. Oh, totally. Well, Eric, like this whole Rhodes vibe this is This is a fun jam to do, too. Yeah. I like this. I, this so is this more... is one of the later ones that we added on, right? Yeah. Yep. And we could only convince Ian to play it if we were like, dude, it's fine. We're just going to throw it on and then not worry about it. Because he was like, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Do less. <laughs> Yeah, Get do, lower. Just yeah, just play a beat. Chill out a bit. Play fewer things. I completely ripped off. This is also because um, people have been asking about influences. If Babylon was one of the first things we wrote, and I'm like super into misery signals. Through this process, we grow up and start listening to other things. And this was my moment of being super into Envy, which is this incredible Japanese post-rock screamo band, and like. For, to me, whenever I listen to this song, to me, this is like the guitar stuff on this song is just trying to be envy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, the guitars on this this song are really great. Like you're just the, the rhythm guitar kind of syncopated stuff. And then Tanner's or whoever's high pitched lead line. And then of course we have to get really big at the end and have a counter melody to that. But I just love it. I, I don't know. There's so I much think going this on, song, but... we actually, like, I played a lot of, like, lead stuff, and Matt played a lot of rhythm stuff, but on this song, I think we flipped. We flipped, flipped actually, most yeah. Of it. Yeah. Nice. Weirdly flipped. Yeah, I mean, I, that, the chorus melody, I, I, I kind of copped off of an indie song, but this is you, though. Oh, uh, Nathan Vogel. That one is good, yeah. The, the finger you, tapping Nathan. stuff. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, cause cause wait till the next line. It's the it's the line from the exile. So what we did lyrically for these songs. See, there you go. What we did lyrically for Infidelity and this song is we took the chorus of the exile and made it be the connecting through thread for each. So like all the lyrics on the extra songs all connected through from the exile. So yeah, like here, it's like, there's so much going on, which is crazy, but this is always hard when it was like, oh, I'm kind of producing this album, but like, I love all the parts, but it was kind well, of like, I think a, it's too much going on, but now let's have this other part. It works here. I, I think for this part, it makes sense that yeah. it's so loud and noisy yeah. and indiscernible. I think this part, all that works well. There's no like lead vocal melody that's fighting for attention raising. Yeah. I think there is like kind of a chorus very light harmony part in there or something, but yeah. Yeah. this would be a great troll. Um, uh, once I there's a COVID vaccine and uh, you know 
we can go back and do a live show, we just open with this song and just do this for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. We're back, everybody. Yeah. What a, probably the, is that the most epic part on this album then? I mean, what do you, that was yeah, pretty probably. intense. I don't know, I love a lot of stuff. This is me. This is another messy song, but there's some riffs in here I actually really like. I like this riff. Here's a good question. What happened to this song? Because this song was like set up to be our single for this album. It was, yeah. And then and then it became Iniquity. What happened? I think it's just that we wrote Iniquity and we were all like, we recognized that was going to be a hit. Yeah. And I mean, it was. It was the right choice from a like record selling standpoint but this was yeah until we wrote that this was going to be the single and i think as we said earlier this is one of the first things we wrote um actually we're probably tired writing, of it but <laughs> we were probably tired of it by now. i actually remember writing this on an acoustic guitar when like four of us went up to lance our current drummer before he was our drummer we went up to his now wife's cabin in rural um, I forget where it is. Anyway, it's in rural Washington. But um, Tanner, I remember we had acoustic guitars, and I like had just written this yeah. riff, and we wrote it all on acoustic guitars. Well, no, not not exactly. I mean, yes, we did some of that, but some of it was also written in your room at your parents' house. You played it on acoustic guitar, and I brought my great like combo amp yes. up to your room. And we like jammed on this. I had like a crate turned down really low or whatever, and then you played it on acoustic guitar and you like worked through stuff. The part of it was definitely wrote like that too. I like this guitar tone here. I feel like I remember. I don't know. I don't know if this was like one of the first ones we played live after through the end, but I do. I feel like I have a lot of memories of playing this in at Hub City. Oh yeah, like this particular song for some reason. Yeah. This was the, where you were in the dryer. I was in the dryer. Right? Yeah, I was in the yeah. dryer. <laughs> That's true. I was. I was. I forgot. I couldn't land it. I couldn't. Like it just wasn't working. And I was like, hold on. And then I like moved the bike and just put my head in the dryer and sang it. <laughs> like, oh, that works. <laughs> Yeah, this was this was a live staple though, um, and it is. I think it it was a good live song. But you can you can really see that like we did the same formula on Masada, right? Like long, pretty jam, and then heavy outro. Right. Nathan, did you have like a a, a thing you did in that part live, or was it just? far away from the mic I, I was trying to remember if there was some I don't remember special live thing you did to emulate that part I think I just did it I don't remember <laughs> just right right up right up in that mic I don't think I, I don't think I yeah I think it was kind of <laughs> get the yeah I know I should have had like a megaphone 
Like one of the like a KB Toys voice changer. <laughs> oh, this is another fun like twi tw twiddly twiddly DL four part. That must be the end of the song, right? It's like four minutes. That's the end of the song. <laughs> oh, what's this? Like, oh no, oh. we're gonna keep going. This is the life in the way part, right? This is so life in the way. If the intro and stuff wasn't. I mean, this was really fun to play. I'll this was that. really fun to play live. I mean, I'm pretty sure Nathan's talking about like the sun and the moon falling and crashing <laughs> the sea or something right here. So that's pretty badass. <laughs> Apocalyptic imagery. Run. Right. It's a staple of that time music. See. Yeah, and on that note, someone asked if we could talk about Nico uh, Chesterton in the uh, album Concepts and Influences. Um, no. No. I mean, actually, I will say, like, it's been so long now, especially um, if it means something to someone else, I don't want to come in and say something else. So, you know, that's kind of my take on it. Uh, uh, Although for Realis, uh, I, I, I will say that. <laughs> Got James. Yeah, our buddy James. Ah, uh, James. And then the last, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the last track, Tanner. Do you remember how we did this? Yeah, this is this. I mean, you can hear it. It sounds exactly like the like 2007 MacBook laptop microphone. We were perfect. It's we perfect. had written the <laughs> intro, and we were just about done with the whole record, and we were like, we need an outro, and we got this piano part, and then we had to write. A, a acoustic guitar part to it that we had this idea yeah and tanner i just remember you went in yeah with your 2008 macbook pro into dan's dad's bedroom sat it down on his bed hit like ambient record the room played an acoustic guitar and that's it but that's you so know great. what i, I love it. it it works for this thing i know dan like he he made it sound a lot better than it did for sure i think i probably just Compressed the crap out of it and yeah. made it sound really lo-fi. I mean, it was already kind of that route, but but just these melodies. I think I don't know. If there's one thing I'm proud of this album, it's yeah, this pretty little outro thing at the that end. Works. I don't know. This is just that's just a track that you hear if you've listened to the whole album as you're slowly falling asleep. And <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, just soothing. It's soothing. This is the one thing. The one thing. Everything else sucked. It was terrible. You spent like no, six no, no, months no. of your life locked in your kitchen. <laughs> and this, this is the one thing. Oh, if there's one thing I could say. No, that, I do really like that ending, though. So that's, I like that we were like, that we would just do that. Let's have a track that's a minute long and it's just a acoustic guitar and a pretty piano part. And it's just a little riff and it's going to fade out or whatnot at the end and I don't know. so guys thoughts 
before we before we close up thoughts we just listened to all of the everlasting man warts and all uh, one other art thought not music thought was i remembered uh i was i was uh looking at the album art when i was listening to it on spotify and i was remembering the the blue version first because that was the first one we did the green one turned out great too but the blue version was obviously the, the first so i remember a lot of what we were doing and i remember remember doing it with because last of the, the first album here the end i i kind of did it solo with like input from everybody and then tanner was around for for this one and i remember doing it i mean tanner was doing most of it but i was you know helping helping him out and i remember getting so excited about like Tanner like why don't we take a picture of this book for like a texture or whatever and I was like yeah I don't know sure yeah whatever and then we do it and then you would be like doodle on it or something like that with some dumb snake and I'm like oh my gosh this is incredible we're a real band I remember being so excited about the art uh, I, yeah that's that's good I don't know it's it's one of those things that it's a little like I don't know. It's like one of those things when you're like, when you did it, when you're close to it, it's hard to like, look at it and not be like hypercritical. Um, so yeah. I do remember I, I the, it, it, it worked. It turned, it turned out, I think it's great. I, I mean, regardless, you've, you've seen here the end cover. So I think it was a step in, in the right direction and improved step. So, so I, th- I think that's good. But I do remember like being really excited about the blue version uh, with the snake eating itself. And then with the with the newest version, we had to do the, the green new version. And we were like, I don't know, like a stick or something like that. Sure. Yeah. And it was I remember being like so much less excited about it because we had like this vision with the, the first version. With the Ouroboros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eric, you said something that I think sums up the experience for me and not just of this record, but of this time. And it's that they're like, Oh my God, we're a real band. And I really do think that's what this whole moment and period and then us touring. And because someone said earlier on the pod, um, we finished recording this and then we actually started touring. We did like a fake tour and then we did a smallish tour after while we were recording, but it wasn't until we had this like in the tank and ready to go that we actually did like real tours and I think it was the recording of this and then listening back to the demos and then going and playing shows and feeling like, okay, we're actually not just like a local band, like we're doing stuff and it's actually kind of interesting. Um, that's, I think that the, the thing that I feel the most from this record in this moment that I remember. Yeah. I guess for, for me, it was like, I joined the band after Hear the End was already out or just it was being put out. Or maybe it was like it just came out and then I joined the band. Um, so this was like the first chance to write with all of you guys, which is definitely a, a hugely different experience than writing with every other like band that I had written up with up to that point. Um, and it was like just very exciting to be in that dynamic and feeling like surrounded by a lot of like competent and really creative people and just getting really, really excited. And people were excited about us in the local scene and, and we were getting like some national attention from different people and, 
and then it we started to like talk to like face down and sign for their like strike first label and all that sort of stuff it was just like a really really exciting time um where yeah it was like oh this is like kind of a thing like it's not like it's like kind of working out which was yeah. really cool i mean we we're all really really young at that point so it was we like so super exciting yeah you were the youngest. How old were you at that time? Uh, I think I joined the band when I was 17. So 18? So, Didn't we do a tour where we were like, did you miss prom or something at one point? Because Yeah, we, we, were, touring, tour. we were touring during my prom. Because we toured during my like last year of, of high school, like at least partially. Um, and yeah, I like skipped prom and all that sort of stuff. For, Thanks for that. Whatever fake Gresham High School you used to attend that allowed. Yeah, us I don't to... think people actually like remembered that I went to that school, so I don't think anybody missed me. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, here the end was like us learning. Oh, we're a band. We're having fun, and we can write some songs. Cool, and and I mean, a lot of that was written with, um, you know different members right um and then the everlasting man was kind of like okay we we kind of know how to be a band but that was still kind of like our our proving ground and let's try out all these different things we have all these ideas well we have some really talented people that are in the band now and let's just like make it everything as good as possible like recording wise production wise um you know we have all the freedom in the world to to mess around with the recordings to I mean, add parts or figure out the you know the lyrics or try all these different things um so it's kind of just like oh we're just going to do everything we can and add all this stuff in and 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 uh, make it as good as possible and then for realis i feel like by that time we had toured and done all those other things and okay now we kind of have a better idea of like not just kind of who we are but what we want to be mm-hmm. And what we want an actual oh i like that be like I, and just sound I like, like. so we actually came together with the vision um and and kind of sat down in a single time frame and planned it out and did it whereas everlasting man was kind of the last like oh we wrote these two songs at this point in time we wrote this song and we were kind of playing local shows and everyone's kind of working their part-time jobs wherever and um kind of making it work we're yeah we're a band we're yeah. doing this thing but hadn't really kicked off for us but um, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. Still, you know, I'm really, I can look back at it and listen to it and be really proud of it. There's definitely lots of parts from like, oh, that's really good. That's awesome. You know, lead line or vocal melody or, um, you know, a few sections here and there. Um, but yeah, probably the songs I'm, that probably aged the best are like the intro, the outro, <laughs> <laughs> the exile. I mean, like the songs that are more like song, like we weren't just trying to, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the other songs, we were just so all over the place. Um, and it, for what it was, I think it was it was good. Um, I mean, I just want to say before you go, before you, you move on to your other people, that what you just said is great. And you should also, it's not just that we all were learning how to be musicians and learning how to be in a band at this moment, but like, this is a triumph that you produced this record, Dan. Again, as Tanner was saying, in 2008, when like you couldn't do this stuff, you know, and anybody now can like get plugins and it sounds great, as Tanner was saying earlier, but like it kind of pisses me off. What the heck? Yeah. And <laughs> you worked so hard, and this record sounds incredible for 
what we did and what was able to pull off then. And like, I'm not saying here the end doesn't sound good, but for me, it's like, <sighs> if, if the Everlasting Man's where we figured out how to be a band, it was like, here the end is maybe where you first figured out how to like produce a record. But like by this time you like knew what to do. Um, and your, uh, your fluency at that point, I think just enabled us to be able to be a better band because you were able to be like, Oh, I know how to do this. Let's give space to like futz around with this thing, you know? Yeah. Like how much do you learn by actually like, like, playing a song live and standing in front of your own amp and your own guitar or your own instrument or whatever and trying to play it in a room in somebody's like parents garage where everything just sounds like noise like to go from playing that to being able to record something and hear it in the song you learn so much Mm -hmm. and that was like not a thing that normal bands had at the time like it wasn't so easy to just have a recording of your song yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if you listen, I mean, the, the difference between the two here, the end and, and this album is, is huge, I think, um, as far as how, the quality and how it sounds. And, and I, I think that, you know, it should be known that it's not like we got signed to strike first and then we had, uh, you know, this amazing change in our sound. It's due to Robot Save My Studio and the quality that, that it provided, you know? Yeah, the robots all malfunctioned and and aren't working anymore they totally that was all the feedback they cannibalized the studio (laughs) yeah that's right they finally they finally ate it they did (laughs) i don't know why i made that the name of it but i for for those of you who don't know out there dan's studio is called robots ate my studio i still use that email address (laughs) gmail so you know send me some send me some uh, emails people no um i actually i think there's a it's an interesting thing about, I mean, Here the End was pretty much the, the first album I recorded. I mean, we did some demos, like Matt and I, our earlier band in high school for my senior project, I recorded my first ever song, right? And we did a, a few demos here and there, but Here the End was the first album we ever recorded. And pretty much since we had some um, success on our local scene and we released that album, that let me start recording other bands. And that really, I think, is what helped me a, have a, some money to get better mics and do all these other things, but to actually get the experience and, um, you know, and, and how to record better. Like here at the end, we didn't even use a click track or anything like that, right? Like there, there's I don't nothing, think we use click no, at all. like editing well, drums, <laughs> yeah. anything like that. Um, so I'm, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I'm surprised it sounds as good as it does, which I don't think sounds great. But um, yeah, going back, there was a pretty big difference. And yeah, I, I can look back and be like, all right, it's not the best sounding album out there. Art Realis and, and Abstraction obviously sound sound way better, but I can look back at uh, Everlasting Man and be pretty proud of it. So, and really, the other local bands you recorded like really should be thanking like a oh absolutely because like something about Airplane sounded <laughs> awesome now because that's another album I can look back. You on recorded. And be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, do you have a do you have closing thoughts after listening to it all um, i mean it it's been covered a bit i mean i can echo some of what tanner said like i like joined this band when you guys were already kind of a band figuring it out and here the end was like already in the process of being recorded and i kind of helped you finish it it's kind of like my memory of it 
Um, like I went to a Hope for Home shows before I even knew any of you guys. And then that's still so weird. To um, me. <laughs> yeah. It, but hey, you knew me. We were Motion City soundtrack concert buddies. Is that what happened? Right? So. I know you were the you were the in. I thought it was like a mice like we were MySpace friends for sure. Well, that's because we ran into people at, we ran into each other at shows all yeah. the time. At very I don't know if it was uh, Motion City soundtrack, but it was various shows like that. You probably like yeah yeah I don't know, but you were my in. Um, but yeah, I think with this record, this was the first time it was like whoa like i was going to this band's shows and now i'm at the practice space and now we're writing songs and this was like the first time where it was like well we're playing more shows we're learning how to do this recording this from scratch where like i have a little bit of input it wasn't like i was trying to write to like parts that were already there that kind of still needed to exist um and me trying to figure out like how i could fit in with those parts already or like add to them so this was like the first time I could contribute like from ground zero. And so that's a lot of what I remember too, is like jumping in from the start. And also as a vocalist, like who you, like you play guitar on, on more of our stuff now, but, or on like in abstraction and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, but you being the vocalist, like you were also there at every practice. It's not mm -hmm. like you were, you came in and were like figuring out vocals to like songs that were like written or whatever that we, we as a band had wrote and then you came in and did stuff like you were in hindsight, it's like amazing that you were able to even be there at every practice when you were like, for the most part, just like listening for hours on end and giving feedback and like basically producing a lot of stuff like and trying to figure out how to make the songs better while not playing an instrument because I mean, we couldn't even hear you at practice if you were doing vocals at all like, yeah that's weird too thinking back it. like why didn't why didn't we just like figure out a way to get a pa yeah because <laughs> we, we didn't we never did yeah like matt didn't you didn't try to sing at practice i never sang at practice and i i remember like eric you had an amp that like was like an extra amp that I remember trying to plug into. I think was it was it the sweatpants sweat amp. Yeah. Oh, I missed that amp. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I remember it. being there and and like, yeah, it was like just I'm sitting there for two hours. It's kind of like just a hang, and then these songs are being written. So I'm there like, just like absorbing them and thinking about like, oh, what would and what would work here vocally? Where would you know? I potentially scream on things where might there be space for singing, you know, like maybe lyric ideas are coming. I don't know, but just kind of absorbing the songs as they're being written. But I think there's more to be said with that. Like, I think you contributed a lot musically because yeah. how, like, because how, I don't know, you, you have like a very like music historian analyst kind of mindset to how you take in music and art and all that sort of stuff so you gave a lot of awesome perspective in the practice space and sculpting the songs to be the way that they are um, that they wouldn't be that way without 
having you there and just like chilling for two hours and giving feedback and stuff like that. To be honest, what I remember is that a lot of the awkward parts that are like, where'd that come from? Or like the strange mathy parts were like me being like, you know, it would be cool if we did this weird thing. Because I don't feel like those happened naturally. That was like we we spent a lot of time spent a lot of time trying to work out that like random mathy part at the end of like Masada. Like what was yeah. that? I, I remember like being there for that. That's a cool part. So, it's a cool. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if my input was. It's a cool part. <laughs> you shut it. <laughs> I don't know what timing it's in, but it's cool to play. <laughs> Where were we practicing in this era? Were we practicing Indians. at that church? Oh, Ian, that's yes. right. We practiced yeah. a lot there. Practiced a lot. That's there. right. I remember. I remember the church, but the church was like that was near the end era. That was very brief, and that was Nathan's first time. Yeah, yeah that was Nathan's first time. And I just I was remember say we had a PA there. I remember him screaming into his own. I just remember. And I know we, we we should wrap up here in a minute, but I remember the first uh, time we ever. Because I had never met you, Nathan, as you're sort of saying, Eric yeah. was your in. We're, we um, put a, we put up a vocalless demo of the Human Project on our MySpace, and send in your recorded, you know, demos. And actually, side note, we got a a, a take from God. What the fuck was that band called? That like '80s throwback band that blew up. That then their band got stuck at Cornerstone. Oh. Oh God! What were they called? Anyway, the the singer he he uh, he he auditioned and it was like the most slick singing and screaming thing, and we were like, no. Um, and then he went on to be famous, so it was very weird. No, but I just remember Nathan. You didn't. I don't think you even recorded anything. And one day Eric was just like, "Oh yeah, uh, my friend Nathan, come uh, maybe play with us at practice." And we showed up. And we were practicing at that church and like we started playing a song and you just immediately started yelling. And I was like, okay, all right. He's in the band. Good. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> That's so Do you remember the look it. around when you started yelling and we're like, oh, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. I'd like, I'd like to clarify though. I was not Nathan's in. Nathan was his own in when, when he started yelling. I, I just <laughs> yeah, happened right. to be available on MySpace for him to ask if we were still looking for a yeller. That was it. I think I might have tried to record something, but obviously didn't send that. But it's weird to think about too, because like I up until that point, I was just like yelling, probably doing the like thing that every scene kid never wants to admit that they did was just like yell to music in their bedroom or in their car or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah like put your face in a yeah, pillow. Or like, or, you know, you play play guitar in front of the mirror to whatever, all, what, that kind of stuff, you know, that you do when you're like in middle school or high school. Um, so you guys are probably like the first group of people that I like yelled in front of like, like that in that capacity. I don't think I yeah. did that. I definitely, I didn't, it was the first band I was in like that as like a front quote unquote front man person. So that was it. That practice was the first time. It worked out. Well, maybe to close, this was fun. This was fun. We should, uh, let's do this for Realis. Maybe we'll let's uh, listen let the... to 
listen to this this album every week let's do it okay all right. <laughs> I, mean, I got more things to say so dan already <laughs> listens to it every week so <laughs> that's right mixed reference um before we before we go I, I have one last exercise that we should all do just go around you get to keep one song off this album only one and the rest are lost to history altogether I'll start since I sprung this on you and I said it earlier. It's probably, for me, it's affliction. Um, despite the fact that um, that later song, Restorate the Return from Exile is like interesting. Um, I think there's enough stuff in affliction that I'm really still stoked on that like when when we play a show again, we're definitely playing that song. Um, so that's my uh, that's my vote. I'll, I'll go next. I, I want to say... Uh, absolution i think one it's it's a good song that i think vocally has some of my favorite parts from you matt um and has the most mature dynamics to me uh and there's that one breakdowny part where we do like a quiet breakdown that i is not like my favorite thing in the world but i think with the caveat of like as a music historian and as a time, like a time capsule of what was happening in that period of time, I think it's relevant to acknowledge that. And so I would take that one. Hell yeah. I'd take that one too, but it's more for selfish reasons. I was really proud of that drum beat in the beginning when I, when I came up with that. And I That's, felt like- yeah. That was one of the more major things that I contributed. Like, like I mean, obviously there's plenty, but I mean, as far as a major portion of a song. So I remember being very proud of that in the era. So that'd be, I mean, beyond just it being a very enjoyable song too, I think. Mine would probably be Affliction. I mean, I said it before, but it was just fun. It was fun to play. Um, when I think back on this time, it's not so much like oh what stands the test of time what's something that i would play now that i would be super stoked on um it's more so just like the nostalgia factor and that song kind of has it for me and i think it has it has all the like it it's got everything that we were doing then and a little bit mm-hmm. of where we went you know it has some like kind of atmospheric ambient stuff at the end um but then it has that like heavy like ex punk rock kid hardcore kid vibe too that i think was just where we were at the time reminds me of reminds me of all those shows and it's a fun one man um i mean i could i can honestly go with either of those um i don't know I would probably have to choose between affliction for a lot of the same reasons you guys said. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a fun song to play. We played it a ton. It's really nostalgic. I think there's some cool parts about it. Like production wise, there's some fun parts. Um, I always thought the uh, like kind of folky sing along part that, that Matt came up with was really cool. Um, and then the, the jammy part after where I had a lot, probably too much fun putting weird effects on the drums and trying to make everything sound super weird and washy. That was always really cool. But um, 
I would say Affliction or maybe I'll throw the XL out there, guys. It was the saddest song ever. As by that <laughs> random YouTuber, we were number classic one. Saddest sad song dude. ever. So classic, you know. I mean, what can you say? What can you say? It's saddest song ever. Well, this was a blast. Let's uh let's do this again soon. Maybe we'll wait till this hell election's over. Um, but uh, you know, we could uh maybe do this again with Ray Alice. Um Thank you all for you know come hanging out. Um, anything anybody Affliction wants? To- bass player cover guy from YouTube. I know that you're an adult now. Please, <laughs> somebody out there knows you. Please, please come find us. We want to talk with you. We want to get to know you. We want to know who you were and who you are now. We need to know it all. Please, you can come find you, us. You can play on our new EP. Wow, we'll have double bass. <laughs> Double bass, <laughs> rhythm bass, and lead bass. No, we tried. We tried that before. One. Oh no, that was from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This That's was in, this was in abstraction. The Ho for Home podcast. Now that uh, I whatever the fucking math calculation is, I don't know five thousand six something. I we're almost all here. Hold Good on, I got his, I got his YouTuber username. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this isn't him. Dang it, never mind. Oh. Uh, but but there's another one out here. Let's see, let's give him a shout out. Uh seven hardcore seven Christian seven. He did he did an iniquity <laughs> cover, looks Damn. like on an SG. So you know he's the real deal. Give him a shout out for sure. Hell yeah. yeah. Anyone oh, that God. has ever put up on YouTube on uh, a hope for home cover or something, just know you probably were like, oh, they were they're never gonna watch this no we definitely did we, we watched way too much time we watched all everything. of them <laughs> all of them especially if they're actually really bad we probably watch them all the time because we're jerks <laughs> yeah yeah 100 yeah okay i, I found on. the real guy now i think yeah i think pretty sure yeah this is a base affliction matt matt mortimer matt mortimer matt mortimer you matt have a standing mortimer. Into into the intervation. It's it's one a.m. But like, my brain's just completely out the window. He hasn't uploaded since for for eight years. He hasn't uploaded to YouTube. (sighs) But I feel like he's still out there. Yeah, I guess guess Realis just didn't do it for him. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, that's a deep cut, man. (laughs) All right. Uh, Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.